broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show, third Tuesday of the month, which means we have Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce with us in the studio. Back with us, missed a time or two, Emma folks. Had a hiatus. Good morning. And... Our usual co-host, Bruce Logue, with us also. Good morning. We have a full show today, so we probably better get right into it. Jump right into it. We are very fortunate today. We have, um, you know, it's springtime, and people like to do spring cleaning, and people think about change when it comes to the spring. And one of the things that people think a lot about is their living situation. Um, What do we do? Where do I live? What do I sell? Do I sell? Do I build? Do I do this? Do I do that? I give a lot of calls to the realtors that I have on speed dial, uh, Chip Ivy, who's here in the studio with us today, Bruce Logue, who's in the studio with us today. And I ask 50 million questions, uh, the questions my clients have. So we have a realtor guest, Chip Ivy. We have uh, Kevin Waltz from Fifth Third Bank. We have Lori Gehring from Fifth Third Bank. And we have Leslie Robertson, a closing attorney. And what company are you with? Shavert's and Dean. Thank you. We can get a deal done today. <laughs> we, can get, we can get a deal done today. So the the reason why we decided to to have these guests on today, um, we're thinking, you know, home ownership is one of the best ways to start building your net worth. And I always tell people that I think it's a great idea because usually after you sell your first home, you know, you you, you have a little bit of residual left over. And that's what jumpstarts people's retirement in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. Okay. Um so I, I come from a family of immigrants, and our fa- in our family, it was kind of drilled into our head that there's two ways to build wealth in this country. The first is the stock market, and the second is real estate. And so I think it's very important. I can talk all day long about the stock market, but that's not what we're doing today. So I wanted to um, to talk about the home buying uh, process. What's the first step, do you think, uh, Bruce, in the home buying process as far as selecting a good real estate agent? How do you, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, well— that that that's a great question. You know, as you mentioned, the first step is to uh, uh, find a real estate agent. Um, what I suggest you do when you're looking for a real estate agent is is talk to your family and friends. How uh, they're going to have a, a a referral. They're going to you know if they've had a great experience with a a real estate agent, they're going to share that with you. Uh, also, if, if they weren't as happy, they'll share that with you as well. So uh, that that's probably the first place that I'd go uh, uh, looking for a realtor. Also, you want to. You know, it's okay to to interview a couple of real estate agents. You know, you don't have to select the first person that you talk to. Uh, so, you know, interview them, ask some questions, and then make sure that you you're able to to build a rapport. You know, you want to select someone uh, you're comfortable working with because you're going to be spending a lot of time. You're going to be sharing a lot about yourself, about your likes, your dreams, your hopes. Uh, plus, you're going to be spending some time, you know, uh, with with an agent if you're a buyer. You know, riding around in the car with them and. Uh, uh, you want to be able to feel comfortable, open, and honest with them. That's so. a close proximity to be stuck in a car with, especially on the, <laughs> a lot of weekends, a lot of time on the weekends, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, let's go ahead, and uh, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, uh, my friend, uh, uh, Chip Ivey. Uh, Chip is with uh, Keller Williams uh, in town. In town. And just so uh, I can give a little shout-out for the AGLCC, Chip is also one of the co-hosts for our Midtown uh, Business Builder Luncheon that we we hold once a month uh, at Henry's, and he's done a great job of uh, uh, growing that group. Fantastic so. job! Thank it's you. been over a year now, right? Yes. Yes. Wow, you're almost an old timer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Chip, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in real estate, and uh, uh, what what made you make the decision to get into real estate? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Glad to be with you, Emma and um, Bruce. I have been selling in town Atlanta for about 23 years. My, right out of college, I was a manufacturer sales rep, and I was traveling a three-state territory, and I was never at home. I was never sleeping in my own bed, and I, I missed that. And so I thought, you know, what am, what's important to me? And I've always had an interest in architecture, in design, in sales, in people, and real estate made a you know, was the logical choice. So I transitioned into real estate and never looked back. Great, great. Um, let's talk a little bit, you know, people have uh, different uh, conceptions of what the uh, real estate market's like in Atlanta. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what the real estate market's truly like. 
Sure, sure. Um, well, right now, the Atlanta market is hot. Um, whether you're buying or renting, it is a hot market, which is a real opportunity if you're a seller and can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge if you're a buyer. I mean, we are in what's called a seller's market where there is more demand for housing than there is active inventory. So it creates an opportunity on one side of the closing table and a challenge on the other side of the table. Great, great. Now, what uh, in-town Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. neighborhoods would you right. really consider uh, being hot at this time? Sure. Well, my, my focus is primarily on in-town Atlanta, so I can speak to those neighborhoods. Any neighborhood that is on the Beltline or adjacent to the Beltline is really uh, a hot neighborhood, um, from the old Fourth Ward to Reynolds Town. And then now that the West Side Beltline is being developed, I would I would say the West End areas are going to be just as hot too. There's a shift in lifestyles where buyers are wanting a more of a walkable lifestyle where they can park their car, walk to the coffee shop, walk to a restaurant. Um, those neighborhoods are going to see continued appreciation over the long run. Great, great. Now. You know, we've talked that it's a pr- primarily a, a seller's market in Atlanta right now, but uh, that doesn't mean that you can uh, just, you know, throw a sign in the yard and, and expect your home to sell. Uh, right, what are right. some of the uh, challenges for sellers at this time? Well, I think um, to be competitive and to get the best price in the shortest amount of time, their home has to show its very best. And at a minimum, that includes being immaculately clean. It needs to be clutter-free. It needs to um, be free of too much personal property, including photographs or artwork that is very personal to the, the current homeowner. I, I like to tell my sellers, you'll want to really kind of desensitize the house, make it more inviting to the next owner that will be coming into the house. Great. Now, you know, it, being that it's a, a seller's market, you know, the challenges, there are a lot of challenges for the buyers. Can you tell us a little yep. bit about those and, and sure. what you might do to, uh, you know, to sure. help your buyers when you're working with them? Sure. Well, um, it can be challenging for buyers if they are, um, you know, if a property comes on the market during the week and if on the weekend, the listing agent is holding a couple open houses, chances are there may be two or three or five bids waiting for that seller to review on Sunday um, Sunday evening. So um, the challenge for buyers sometimes is I have to prepare them that this process can go quickly and you may be paying what they would consider to be top dollar, if not full price or maybe even over list price if we know up front we're competing with other offers. So there, if there's not really a lot of, uh, I, I don't want to say great deals, but you're not going right. to be able to lo- negotiate lower um, when you're when you're trying to buy at this point, well, depending it, on the yeah, neighborhood, it, of course, we we always look at the comparables to make sure it makes sense to offer that full price offer. But if we're competing with multiple offers, this is not the time to get something at ninety percent of asking price. Okay, now what? With that being said, what is the rental market out there like? Well, the rental market is also on fire. I mean, it is it is. Um, there's a tremendous amount of rentals and. At top dollar, too. I've had several clients recently who came to me to buy because they could no longer afford to rent. You know, it makes sense. Renting makes sense if you know for sure you're only going to be in Atlanta a year or maybe two years and you don't want the inconvenience of of listing your house and selling your house. Um, But beyond that, I would suggest anyone consider looking at, at buying because of the appreciation uh, opportunities long run. So uh, I have a, quite a few millennials as clients and yes. they're doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I don't believe in the millennial stereotype. You know, these, mm-hmm. these young people are really thoughtful about what they're doing. And a lot of them have seen yes. their parents get beat up yes. during the housing uh, debacle that happened sure. years ago. So how would, what would you advise these, these youngsters or younger people uh, um, regarding buying versus renting? Well, it's, you know, it's a very personal decision. I am a real estate agent. I am my job is to help people buy and sell real estate, and I believe in that. So, again, I think renting makes sense in the short term if someone is here for a um, limited number of months, maybe a year or two. Uh, beyond that, I, I think um, home ownership makes sense, whether it's a single family home, a condo loft, or or new construction. 
And what what can a seller do? You mentioned that, you know, sellers have to kind of desensitize their house, make it real like cold. Well, I shouldn't say cold because, you, you know, but right. what can the seller do to maximize the sale price uh, for their house? Well, it, it, it goes back to it's got to show its very best. And for some sellers, that's as, as easy as, you know, cleaning. Um, typically, it's removing a few pieces of furniture. So the floor plan shows very open. Uh, it may be a fresh coat of paint. It may be um, a pot of colorful flowers on the front porch. You just want to evoke that sense of hospitality. Uh, you want that first initial curb appeal to be a positive experience. Do you recommend baking chocolate chip cookies? Can't hurt. Okay. <laughs> Can't hurt at all. Now, what, what advice would you give to a buyer as they begin, you know, the the, the home yeah. search process? Sure. Well, um, the fact that they have the desire to buy, I think, is 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 big, and and that's when I like to get involved. Um, they need to know exactly what they qualify for. There's nothing more frustrating than finding a house that's fifty thousand dollars more than they qualify for. So I encourage them to speak to a lender before we get in the car together to make sure they one qualify for the mortgage, and secondly, they're comfortable with that payment. Many clients overqualify. They they qualify for much more home than they want to spend. And mm-hmm. they need to know those two uh, things. What do I qualify for and what am I comfortable paying? And once we do that, based on their criteria, we can start the search together. And one of the things that I'll say, you know, there's many different career paths. There's many different options out there. One of the things that I have to, to, to say about realtors is realtors always seem really cool, down to earth and happy. You know, what is the best part of your job and why mm. are you guys always so pleasant? I'm pleasant most of the time. Um, Well, I do love what I do. And I I tell you, it's very rewarding when you walk in the front door and your buyers look at each other and their eyes light up and they start placing furniture. They start, okay, we can have, you know, cocktails on the back porch. They start envisioning their life in the home. That's a very um, uh, good sign. And you know, my clients go on to become friends and we have relationships ongoing. And uh, it's, you know, my desire to have a long term relationship with my clients. And that's probably the best part of my job. Now, what would you what would you say is the most challenging part? You know, it's very frustrating when the appraisal comes in low, you know, and uh, as as you all know, an appraisal is a professional third party estimate of value the lender can only lend on the appraised value. And when that appraisal comes in low, sometimes we can work it out and sometimes we can't. The seller can reduce the price. The buyer can buy, pay the difference in cash or we can meet in the middle. Sometimes that doesn't happen and we have to terminate. And that's very frustrating. My clients have invested money in an appraisal and a home inspection. You know, they've 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 emotionally committed to this house, and then it doesn't close. So that's probably the most frustrating. So then our next guest would will not give us a loan um, for a property unless the appraisal comes in, correct? Unless the appraisal comes in at contract price. That's correct. <laughs> right. So yeah. thank you, Chip. Yeah, thank so, you. So Lori and uh, and Kevin, let's talk a little bit. Um, we, we're... we're, we're have the pleasure of having Kevin here today. Kevin is one of the area sales managers of uh, Fifth Third Bank, or Georgia, right? Georgia. Georgia, yes. Okay. And we have Lori, who is a mortgage loan officer. And I want to know, Lori, what exactly is a mortgage loan officer? Well, hey, good morning, Emma. Thank you, and Bruce, for setting this up today. Um, what we do is we actually educate home buyers and realtors about the current mortgage programs that are available for home financing in today's market. And typically, we are looking at their credit, collateral, and their capacity to pay. So we establish uh, what their buying profile is based on their credit scores, their income, their assets, and, of course, appraisal of the property. We originate home loans, one to four unit properties, condos, primary homes, second homes, and also investment property. So uh, we have a plethora of product. Uh, we originate the documents, review all the paperwork, and educate the buyer on the home buying process uh, through to the mortgage approval and ultimate loan closing. Great. Now, uh, Kevin, I guess I have some questions uh, of you. Um, uh, what's needed in order to have a pre-qualification completed? Well, first of all, thanks for letting me uh, be here today. Uh, the pre-qualification part is probably the easiest part of the process oh. for clients because when they get to Lori, 
not just not a knock on lawyers against all mortgage loan officers. <laughs> the stress on the client for the next 30 to 45 days is the most stressful period they're ever going to go through. But if we do a good pre-qualification up front, uh, we can alleviate 99% of that stress. So I tell everybody, I've been doing this for 38 years, please keep your pay stubs. 30 days at least. If you're a hoarder like me, you got years of them. Keep your W-2s. You have to file your taxes. Matter of fact, today's tax day, you should have your W-2s in hand just to be safe. Keep the last two years. If you have your last two years tax returns, keep them if you're commission income, if you have rental income, if you have high dividend income, anything that's not a W-2, we're going to want to look at uh, and see what that income is, make sure that it qualifies as continuing income out so there. So K-1s, the different schedules, you want to see the whole lottie dotty, everybody, by everything. The t- right? By the time it's over with, I'm going to know everything you have wow. for, for a long time. Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you own a company, if you all own multiple companies, I'm going to watch K-1s. If you're more than a 25% owner in that, I'm going to watch your business returns in hand also. Uh, you know, I've seen files a half inch thick. I've seen files four inches thick. Depends on the individuals and, and what they're trying to buy. Okay. Uh, they should also have an idea of where they want to buy when they're talking with, you know, if they've already talked with an agent and the agent says you need to go get pre-qualified, at least know in that area what's that approximate sales price. One of the hardest part is if people come in and say, I want to be pre-qualified, and you ask them, have you looked for a house yet? No. Do you know where you want to live? No. But Atlanta is a large area. Atlanta city proper is not, but when you put 13 metro counties around, it's a large metro area with a wide range of sales prices and and wide range of condos to townhomes to single families to duplexes and on. So have an idea uh, of that sales price that you're looking at uh, and where that property is going to be located. Yep, and and real estate agents will definitely, you know, help help if if, if you have those questions right. too. So. Um, now, one of the, the questions that uh, some of my clients come to me with, and I always refer them back to the bank, is, you know, uh, you know, should I get a 30-year or a 15-year? What's the benefits? Uh, what's the benefit? What it, You know, what truly is a fixed-rate mortgage versus uh, uh, an ARM? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? To, to- sure. You want me or you want Lori? Either. Either. Whoever's we'll, the we'll tag. We'll tag team. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, and, and I'm a little bit older, but... Uh, that's okay. Uh, I'm a fixed rate kind of guy. If you look at fixed rates as they are today, still in that high threes, low fours, it's historical low rates. Uh, if you can qualify for that fixed term, fixed rate, where there's not going to be any fluctuation on your principal and interest, there can be fluctuation on the taxes and insurance, and you know what that payment is, if you can qualify for it now, most individuals' incomes can be going up, so it should make it easier to make that payment going forward. For those individuals that are going to be in that house and know they're going to be in the house for three, four, or five years, maybe seven years or less, great time to look at ARMS. Uh, ARM programs right now in the high twos to low threes. Wow. Uh, so it's a great time to look at that. You know, the only hesitation on an ARM is for those folks that make that guess, I'm going to be in that house for three years and they get a five-year ARM and seven years later they're still in there. Historically, over the last eight years, great, not a problem. Rates went up twice already, probably going to go up two more times this year. Your rates are going to be going up. Are you prepared to make that extra payment? Now, now what's needed uh, uh, to uh, you know help determine uh, uh, your income and your assets or to prove that when you're applying for a loan? Hey, Bruce. Uh, it's Lori. I'll take this one. Um, as far as income and assets, uh, we typically look at, uh, as Kevin mentioned, the last two years. And um, we have a housing uh, ratio that we look at as far as your debt to income. So we look at your monthly payment and divide that by your gross monthly income. Typical lenders uh, like to keep that around 28%. And there's also a total indebtedness ratio. It can be as uh, high as 43% on some of our programs. So we calculate, that's part of the uh, pre-qualification process. We calculate that with them, explain how that ratio works and how we look at it. And a lot of our loans now we run through an underwriting engine. So it's if it's a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type product, most lenders are running this through an underwriting engine that will give us an approval. Um, then we'll also list out all the items that we need to gather for that. And and when uh, somebody's considering their home purchase, is there a, a minimum credit score that, that they need to have in order to qualify? Um, 
Uh, well, we can uh, qualify folks with scores as low as 600. I think there's a lot of preconceptions out there that the score has to be 700 or higher, I've heard lately. So 600, um, FHA, and um, conventional 620. So so what type of, you know, when you're talking about loans and arms and 15-year, 30-year, um, you mentioned Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Does that still exist? Fannie and Freddie, you're still Fannie here. and Freddie, okay. And then, like, what type of loan programs do you have? Do you do you help with VA loans? Like, what type of programs do you have, Lori? Uh, we have a variety of programs. Uh, we do FHA loans, first time and second time and third time home buyers. The VA program for veterans, hundred percent financing for uh, that still. And uh, the conventional programs, we can do a loan with as little as three percent down, mm-hmm. and that's for a first time home buyer. And just so everyone realizes the definition of that is anyone that has not owned a home in the last three years. So if you've been renting for the last four years, you can get in under a first-time homebuyer product with only 3% down. Well, I have a question for you. I've heard people say that, you know, I have to put 20% down because if I don't put 20% down, then I'll, you know, be stuck with PMI. What is PMI and what are the rules around, you know, not being stuck with it? Uh, well, PMI actually, uh, private mortgage insurance companies were uh, created to help buyers get in with less money down. So PMI sounds like a bad word sometimes, but really, if you don't have 20% and you only have 3% or 5% or 10% or 15%, a little mortgage insurance premium will be collected monthly, and it just helps share the risk with the lender in case that loan uh, becomes a defaulted loan. So it's really not a bad word. Um, typically, you have to pay PMI for at least two years. But as Chip mentioned, if your equity is increasing and your value is really appreciating, uh, after the two-year window of paying timely, um, you can get with your servicing department and they can order a new appraisal and see if it's a, a point in time where that PMI can be dropped. At one of our luncheons, I, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Got one, one, one caveat on that. On, on FHA, MI stays forever. MI? Mortgage, mortgage insurance. insurance? Okay. So oh. it's, it's, it, it does not go away on FHA. Okay. Uh, that changed this last year. So depending on what term that you get on FHA, it's there from day one until you pay the loan off. Okay. That's very important to know. Yes. Very important to know. Um, Lori, at our at our, one of our luncheons, I think it was the last one, you mentioned that you have um, special programs for physicians. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Dr. Doctor. Um, <laughs> this is a very popular popular program with Fifth Third, and we have two designations, an established uh, physician and a new doctor. So for our established group of doctors, uh, we will, uh, they can obtain 100% financing up to 650000 no PMI, uh, up to a million, it's 10% down, no PMI, and up to a million and a half, uh, it's 15% down. And this is available for attached units, so condos and townhomes are okay. Okay, so, and what do you consider an established uh, doctor? Um, right now, it is a person that has been employed with a hospital or physician's group for at least a year or more or self-employed for two years. Okay. That is our only requirement. We do not have any other requirements. Any established doctor can obtain uh, this product. Now, what about the new doctors? I mean, are you leaving them out? Are they, oh, no, no. Are they lumped in with the regular folks? <laughs> no, we have uh, great programs for them. They can purchase up to 500000 no money down and no PMI. And up to the million dollar uh, mark, they'll be putting down only 5%. So it's a great product. I say at least 50% of my volume this first quarter has been doctor. And um, for us, a new doctor is anybody uh, within 90 days of residency that wants to purchase, uh, as long as they're establishing themselves with uh, uh, physicians or hospital group in the last, uh, you know, they're coming on board for a new position out of residency or fellowship. And also we can... uh, possibly look at the not and count those student loans. So if they're deferred, uh, that will help them purchase more, especially if they're a new doctor. Great. Now, uh, because of the the market, uh, you know, buyers that are unable to find the the perfect uh, uh, home, uh, you know, and they're challenged with, you know, multiple offers. I'm having a lot of clients that are considering, you know, buying a lot or, or building. And some are, you know, taking baby steps. So do you have programs uh, that will help buyers that want to just purchase a lot for now? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, yes, we definitely do. And we are one of the unique, um, as a mortgage banker, we do uh, provide lot loans up to 300000 So a lot of clients, if they're going to build later, they don't want to liquidate all of their asset 
uh, worth at this time and, and put it down all into a lot so we can finance that. And typically that person will build uh, on that property in the next three years or so. So, so if 30%. a buyer, I'm sorry, if a buyer wants to, to build on the property, do you, do you offer financing for them too? Can you help them with that? Yes. Uh, if they already have a lot identified and they have plans and specs and have a builder they're going to work with and they want to build a property, uh, we can take that as a construction perm loan. It helps the buyer save money because they're not doing two closings uh, for a construction loan and then a permanent. We just do that into what we call a one-time closing. And um, the rate they lock into is the rate that they will be paying their uh, interest-only payments as they draw to build. So a lot of lenders do a prime plus type product. We'll lock them in. So if they're locked in at four, that's the uh, interest that they'll be paying. Uh, Say it takes nine months or 10 months to build. At the end of the build, we will convert that loan to a permanent loan and amortize up the remaining term at that rate. So it's a great program. Awesome, awesome. And you know, I, I have the uh, I love working with first time home buyers. And you mentioned that you have some products there, um, but a lot of times uh, they're challenged with uh, you know they don't have the the down payment. They didn't have a home previously or something like that. Uh, do you help with uh, those types of individuals? Um, I, I, I've heard that there are some some uh, programs that might be available to help. Uh, matter of fact, we do. We actually have our own uh, down payment assistance program that we started in the last 12 months <clears throat> that we're going to do 3% up to $3,600 to the client for down payment assistance if they're buying in a low tract or if the individual's low income. What's low tract? Low tract is the government comes through and puts census tracts out and they determine whether it's a low income tract a moderate income tract, a high income tract. So if it's in a low income tract, uh, any property in there will qualify. Uh, the, the funny thing is some of the properties in the low tracks in Atlanta are, are still around the Grant Park area. Right. And I'm sorry, you can't find too many low income people in that area. It's gentrified. It's changed a lot. Uh, but they actually do qualify for that program. Uh, for the low income, we're looking at the median income on this uh, and then taking it at 49.99%. So in general, that's about $33,000 worth of income maximum in order to qualify on the income side. Hard to qualify on the income side. Much easier to find on the track side. Um, we also have teamed up with uh, ANDPI, Atlanta Housing, uh, Lawrenceville Housing Group, which covers all of Gwinnett County, uh, DeKalb County. Uh, I'm working on getting set up with the city of Marietta for down payment assistance programs. And those programs all range from $7,500 up to $22,000. Uh, is down payment assistance. You can combine that with our program and their program. So we just did one last week that we gave a, a client $8,500 toward their closing cost and their, and their down payment. Uh, we did one about a month ago. This $22,000 went to them. So they put they actually made a 15% down payment using that money, took our $3,600, uh, and you paid their uh, closing cost on there, uh, and they had $1,000 in the deal. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Now, a lot of the members of the AGLCC are, are business owners uh, or self-employed. Uh, what are the challenges for uh, somebody that's self-employed or, or, or somebody that depends on commissions, uh, you know, for their income when they're trying to, to buy property? I'll go. Uh, <laughs> challenges on commission income, is it continuing? Did I have a banner year in 2015 and I slipped in 2016 or vice versa? If, it, if you had a banner year in 2015, $100,000. Your income in 2016 went down to $25,000. I can't qualify you at that uh, at the uh, you know halfway point on there. I'm actually having to take the lower because that's the historical way the income's flowing. Now, if you had a $25,000, $100,000 in 16, we're going to look at see what your 17 is, and we're going to average that out as and hopefully it's increasing. So, uh, you know, you have to show that it's continuing. Uh, that you know that you have your uh, ownership. You have to show your K ones. Can have to show your business returns. So a lot of this is is paperwork that you have to keep or have your CPA have it ready for you. Excellent, excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you folks. Glad you're all t- able to make it today. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know our new homeowners are going <laughs> to reach out to you, and uh, uh, you can help them uh, get pre qualified for a loan. So, uh, so. After the loan, oh. after the loan, you get approved for the loan. You find the house of your dreams. 30 days later, you end up in this office at a table with a woman. 
<laughs> woman named Leslie. Well, a woman named Leslie, right? And and Leslie, you know, a, a lot of times I, I feel like people, I feel like people think that all a closing attorney does is help legalize these documents. You know, they they shove this Bible full of of documents in front of you and they make you sign it, and you have no idea what they mean, et cetera, et cetera. But your 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 goal is to do something much more, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is funny how many times people ask me. Uh, is that what you do all day? Just shuffle papers? <laughs> right. Like, oh, no, there's there's a whole lot more. Um, our role is to ensure that we are protecting the uh, we are as lawyers always charged with representing a party. So technically, in a closing, if there is a loan, we are representing the lender. But of course, we are mindful of the other parties and we want to make sure that the contract is followed a lot of the buyers and lenders' interests are in line. So really, if we're protecting the lender, we're going to protect the buyer because we are trying to make sure that the buyer does get good title to the property. Uh, they don't want to, you don't want to buy a lawsuit. So um, you want to buy a house. So we uh, check the records, um, make sure that your seller really owns the property, that um, the land you think you're buying in the contract is what you're getting. And that there won't be any loans or liens that come up to haunt you later on that they get paid off at closing. Uh, that is that is quite a process. And we, we make sure that everybody's understanding of the contract actually happens. Uh, that's very important. We, we don't just rubber stamp things. I mean, we, we're the ones who prepare, you know, the ultimate settlement statement. I mean, the lender does the closing and disclosure, but we are funding, we are handling the money, we're taking in the money. So really, we're really reviewing the process to make sure that everybody's on the same page uh, and that we uh, carry out everybody's expectations. Great, great. Thanks. Now, uh, when somebody decides to buy a home, from your perspective, because you've seen probably some ugliness, <laughs> what's the first thing I should do to make sure I make a wise investment? My number one thing, and you've already gone over it, um, but it really is true that you need to find caring and competent uh, professionals to be on your team. So your loan officer, uh, because they're going to pre-qualify you and you're going to need to have that in, in your contract. I mean, sellers expect to see that you actually qualify to buy their house. Um, and, and the agent. Uh, I've had closings that it just gives me such a wonderful feeling when they tell me how much they loved their lenders and agents and how uh, much those those individuals um, made it what, what could have been a, a very stressful process, a positive one. So hearing that, I, you know, every buyer is different. Every transaction has its own circumstances. So I think it's it's really critical to not just go grab somebody, you know, that you find on the internet, but to ask around people that you know, who you think would probably be looking for the same thing. Who did you like, you know, who 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 did a great job for you, try to match up your circumstances. Um, lenders have different areas of expertise. So do agents. They have different neighborhoods that they they know. Uh, Chip said it's a, a buyer's, or sorry, a seller's market. So getting good agents in there um, who know each other in that area, you know, you get advantages. And um, so that, you know, it's not so much a legal thing, but still, you know, it is a, it's a hectic process. And so, um, you really need to have good individuals who are kind of tailored for your your needs. Great, great. Now, when I work with my clients, you know, um, I've made sure that they're pre-qualified. I've worked with them. We found a home, uh, you know, and then the next steps are putting the contracts and everything together. What would some? What would be your advice uh, as to what those steps should involve? So the contract. Uh, Putting that, you know, you're going to put that together, and and I know this is so basic, but read it, please. Read read your contract. <laughs> read it. It looks it's standard, um, a lot of times, um, and you're just going to think, I, I don't need to look at this. Everybody else has put this together for me, but this is your roadmap, and this is your obligation. You're signing off on this. You may uh, be stuck on some things, so you need to identify, and, and your agents will help you with this, but. Uh, you need to think, what has to happen for me to buy this house? I mean, what would be a deal killer? Uh, you know, I had a friend who was moving for a job. What if something happened to that job offer? 
what about your financing? What if you have to get a certain kind of financing too? You know, you need to make sure that you put a financing contingency in there, make it detailed. Uh, what if you own a house and that house has to be um, sold first? So those are the special little things that go in the special stipulations and the contingencies that are attached to the standard form. And then within the form, of course, you're going to list your earnest money. Uh, is the seller paying any closing costs for you? You need, you need to get that down. Uh, make sure that there's a good legal description. It seems like a lot of times it's kind of vague because people don't know what to put down there. But you really do need to identify uh, what's actually being sold. I mean, not only an address, but a, a lot, a block, or if there's acreage. Some, you know, your seller might own 50 acres. He only is selling you two, you know, so make sure that that's in there. So what do you think about, um, do you provide kind of a checklist or what are some things that people should be thinking about that, you know, we often don't talk about things like, you know, the inspections, mm -hmm. uh, termites. We don't think about, you know, these these little things, but that end up being very important. So what are some of the other options, optional things that people should be thinking about when they look at this contract? Right, so I know a lot of times money's tight and, and you don't want to spend what you don't think you need to, but... When you think about what you're buying, you are buying a structure. You're, you know, unless you're buying a lot, but you're buying a structure. You are buying land. Uh, you're buying ownership in the structure and land. So these optional items, to me, are really not optional because these are the things that are going to show you what you're putting your money into. Uh, termite inspections and home inspections show you what the structure is. Uh, are you getting what you're paying for? Or are you going to be putting more money into it so, you know, the floors don't fall through? Um, home warranty, that's optional. But you, you, again, you need to know about that at the contract stage. And that way you can put it in there. Maybe your seller will pay for it. And then that will help you with the um, operation of systems and appliances after. And, uh, oh, sorry, uh, surveys, <laughs> surveys show your boundary lines, you know, what the actual land is that you're buying, whether your house or the other house next door is over that boundary line, uh, whether the house is built on an easement. You know, some of those can get kind of feisty. That gets, yes. The survey thing <laughs> is really, really weird. You know, it, it's one of those things where I guess you re you really should think about it because one of the, 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 the uh, visitors you don't want to get on uh -huh. your first few weeks in the house is that welcoming committee that says, oh, and by the way, that fence is on our property line. Not yeah. that it happened to me personally, but <laughs> I'm just saying it's, yeah. it's not a good feeling. Yeah, my neighbors, when I bought my house, they came over with cookies. I, I, I want that for all of you. So um, if you get a survey, you might see there are some issues before you buy the house. And you can, if you get that done timely, you can address that with your seller. You definitely want to get, you know, if you get a survey, you want to send it to the closing attorney right away because the closing attorney may look at title and see, hey, the information in the title records doesn't match your survey. Something's happened. This does look like a potential issue. So, yeah. Well, you brought up the magic word, title. Uh, yeah. That uh, leads me into the next question. Um, why does an owner need title insurance? Uh, you know, the question that we get a lot of times is, you know, why do I need that? You know, didn't the closing attorney already run a, a title search or a title examination. What what? Tell us a little bit more about the title insurance and why that's important. Well, you are correct that generally the closing firm will run a title examination. They want to know who owns the property, what the property is, and um, you know liens and and issues that need to be paid off. But unfortunately, um, there can be mistakes in the records. The examiner can make a mistake. There can be hidden interests that are not reflected in the courthouse records. People can have claimed a property through divorce or estates. Those are just some examples. Uh, they won't show in the records at all. Somebody can come surprise you with that. So um, owner's title insurance is a one-time fee based on your sales price. It protects you the whole time you own the property. If you have a successful claim, you could lose the property and, um, or, you know, su successful claim against you. If you have an unsuccessful claim against you, you still might have to spend a lot of time and money that you didn't expect to spend and or want to. So a title insurance company kind of comes comes in and helps you with that. And um, I can vouch that every single day we're asking people for their title policies, sellers or people refinancing, because we find questions. Um, it does happen that often. And a lot of times by just showing us their policy, we're done. There's no further delay. We know they're protected. We know um, we can move on. So. Okay. So, uh, you know, closing's looming. 
what are some tips that uh, you would offer a, a, a buyer or buyer or seller about protecting themselves at, at this stage as the as the closings you know getting ready to happen? So the biggest thing uh, that we want people to know about is um, there is fraud out there. It's ever evolving, and kind of the latest one is that someone catch wind that a closing is is on the horizon and get the uh, buyer's email address and send them wiring instructions for the law firm. But they're not the law firm. So the money goes who knows where. So in order to uh, mitigate that possibly happening, uh, we recommend that you call us and and talk, you know, make sure you're calling a number that you know is us and we'll go over it with you and confirm our account number and everything. Make sure, yes, we sent you those wiring instructions. Um, getting them faxed to you is also, you know, better than getting them emailed. There's just a lot of details, but just don't just send your money somewhere, even if it looks official. <laughs> even if no. it looks official, yeah. verify, verify, verify. And and for people who, who are excited, they've gotten the keys handed to them, you know, I have my first home or my new home. Um, now that you, now that the closings happen, what should people do to protect themselves? Um, make sure you leave with copies. Uh, the main thing that you'll you'll want is your settlement statement um, that helps you you know get your utilities things like that um, your title policy uh, copies of your loan documents uh, your actual original deed won't come back for at least a few weeks because we need to send that to the courthouse but if you don't receive that um, after a while give us a call so we can just make sure it got recorded and and you know sometimes you things re- happen and that you really own the property <laughs> yeah that's a good one. If you later on down the road uh, want to add someone like your new spouse to title, call a law firm and have them check uh, that person for liens and judgments. Because if you add them to your title, their liens and judgments are coming on your title. I had a friend who uh, sort of had something happen recently with that. So, yeah, think about who you're adding to title in the future. Keep keep your, um, again, keep your documents handy. Keep the owner's title insurance. Uh, insurance policy and your settlement statement from your very first closing on the property handy because when you refinance or sell later, you know, you want to show what got paid off when you bought the property. Um, There may be title issues you needed to show your policy for. Um, You may have deductions on your first, you know, deductible items on your your, um, purchase settlement statement too. So keep documents handy. Wow, um, you you are a wealth of information. Yeah. This call was, <laughs> right, call. You're all welcome to call. Stuff really does happen. I was just watching on the news. It was, I don't know, probably the last month or so. A gentleman had purchased a home, and I don't know how the house get got built to completion, but he owned a home, but they didn't own the lot, he found out. What? There at the end yes. there, the lot itself was not part. I, I don't know if they yeah. had not truly closed on the sale, but those things can really happen you know you you think it's maybe just a legal thing but it's actually yeah unless you like uh, out there unless you're buying a mobile home that's not attached you, you got you got nothing if you don't that's right you couldn't move into it obviously title i'm curious how much how much of the, the the various elements of getting ready to buy a home from either the application process all the way through to the end how much can i do in advance such that as you were talking about earlier chip how the market is really a seller's market and i um, one of the things I, I know for myself, having purchased a couple over time, is how quickly you can sell certainly makes or quickly you can close makes you a more appealing buyer if you're less complicated, et cetera. How much can you do in advance? And I'll let you all kind of take take turns if, if there are different things in terms of making me the best buyer I can be and then making the process when I get to the bank. I don't have surprises, closing, et cetera. Uh, how much can I do ahead of time? Well, you can do uh, a fairly large amount on the front end by pre-qualifying that gives assurance to the seller that you're good for the money. And and really you're you're at a disadvantage if you've not completed that step by the time you're making an offer. And typically it's um the buyer can have some input as to the closing attorney if they have uh, a preference. Typically I make that decision <laughs> just out of convenience, you know, but the buyer can do that ahead of time perhaps. I know um, one. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we all do. We all do. What do you guys think? Um, any Anything else you would recommend? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, Lori Gearing with the third. Uh, definitely pre-qualification is a must. I can't tell you how many buyers come in and tell me their credit score is X, and they don't realize that we use three FICOs from all three bureaus. 
And we use the middle score is what we use when we're pre-qualifying. So um, that takes away any mystery. And also you'd be surprised some of the people think they're most qualified are the ones that have an issue that come up. And the ones that are very scared and nervous about it are the ones that are, you know, as clean as can be. So it's definitely mm-hmm. just so you know for sure it's best to get it done. We can uh, pre-qualify you for with a timeline of 90 days. And then from that process forward, there's documentation we'll need to back up uh, the verbal information you've given us. So underwriters are from Missouri. Show me. Don't tell me. So the show me state. So we have to have it in writing and black and white and in the process now, you know, a few years back, uh, you could blow on a mirror and get a loan, and those days are gone. So just be prepared to document everything. And if the lender asks you for more documentation, you know, just be prepared that, to go ahead and furnish it because there's a reason they're asking for it. Got it. Uh, now, I know that this sort of, you know, business transaction, buying a home, going through the process of looking for one, closing on one, a lot of these types of services are very relationship driven. I mean, I, I know you can pick up the, the yellow pages and just call somebody and maybe end up with a realtor, but in terms of being able to really enjoy the experience, I know it's relationship driven. Uh, I know that uh, we were talking earlier, Chip, you, you help with some of the networking type functions where people can come together from uh, the chamber of commerce uh, here with AGLCC. Uh, talk about your experience. How, how has being a partner within and members within AGLCC, has that impacted you all? before we have to jump off here? Well, that's a great question. And if if you guys are anything like me, I like to do business with people that I know and like and trust and respect. And many relationships that I've um, developed came from the AGLCC, either our fourth Friday networking events or certainly the monthly lunches. You know, that's where you the relationships are are built with a one-on-one conversation uh, after lunch, you know, maybe having coffee with someone and you, you get to know them. You get to know their business ethics. You get to know them personally. And those are the easy referrals to make. And that's one of, you know, what I take away from this organization is the relationships that I've, that I've made. Hi, Lori Gehring here. I guess I've been a member. I just uh, came on board with AGLCC last year, and I go to the Vinings, the Buckhead, and the Midtown lunches and extracurricular events. And it's been awesome for me whether it's just a mortgage checkup for the candidate or the folks that go to the meetings and with their own personal finances, in addition to just being able to talk about some of my niche products and programs. So it's been excellent, and I encourage anybody to come on out and join us. Um, uh, what I've gotten out of it is um, it, it, I, I started to kind of build, build my own business after years of being in the profession, working for others who were in a jam, needed someone, you know, right now they're so busy. You know, um, I decided I want to build my own business. I'm with a firm, but, you know, bring business to the firm. And uh, it's just been a very warm and welcoming group of people. It makes me very comfortable. Um, and it's a great way to start that out. Um, also, it, there's just so many uh, professional people from different walks. Mm-hmm. And um, I have needs that you wouldn't expect. Like, I need to throw marketing events and I need um, them catered. I need a photographer. And there are all these kinds of professionals in the group. And by going to these lunches, we do talk to them on a personal level, get to know them, and then really want to support their business and see how we can help them. Um, I also, we have a lot of attorneys in the group too. And uh, it kind of takes a village sometimes to get a closing. I need a probate attorney sometimes if if uh, I, I might need a divorce or a real estate litigation ter- attorney before it can come to you know the closing mm-hmm. process. So it, it's really helped my business. You had something to say. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You were leaning in looking at me. No, I'm leaning in. I'm a woman. That's what we do. We lean in. (laughs) Well, before we let you go, everybody needs to share how to get in touch with you. We want to share your website information, then we'll come back to Bruce and Emma. Okay. Um, I have to look at my papers for that one. It is. um, I'm sorry. (laughs) You can go. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, It's it's closing, period, Schaefritz. That's S-H-A-F-R-I-T-Z dash dean d-e-a-n dot com awesome hi laurie gehring fifth third um uh, my email is laurie l-o-r-i dot gehring g-e-h ring r-i-n-g at five three dot com or you can call me at 404-314-5325 thanks i can be reached at uh, chip at a is for atlanta dot com four zero four four five four five seven two nine Thank you. 
Please. I'm sorry. I, I'd like to add my phone number. You're always welcome to call. It's 678-429-9571. And I know, Emma Folks, you've been becoming quite well known in the media space. You've got a couple of things going on. You want to talk about just, that real quick? Just a Throw few. in some... Pl- just some shameless plugs shameless for myself. Plugs. Yes, now that yes, I've made yes, you yes. famous. Now that you've you have. You built this. I, um, so I have a YouTube channel, Emma Knows Money, and I have two shows uh, that I'm featuring on uh, the channel. One is called Timely Talk, where I'm talking. Um, I have a co-host, uh, Andrew Snorton, and we discuss current events, things that are happening, how to make your kids, you know, uh, how to prepare your kids to do better in the 21st century, um, staying abreast of job changes, think career changes, things that may happen in the 21st century. And then switching hats, I go to Emma Knows Money, which is my professional show where I do interview uh, other professionals um, that can help us with this uh, crazy thing called life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been very happy to have the AGLCC as a partner in the show now for going on over it's a year now. one year and one month. Yeah. And so it's been really great having you all here in the studio. I've been meeting a lot of great business people over that period of time. So I look forward to our next one. You got any uh, contact information you want to throw out there, Bruce? Sure. You, you can reach me at Bruce at commongroundrealestate.com or 404-441-6930. Any important dates coming up for AGLCC calendar? Yes. Uh, We have a, uh, our next fourth Friday event is on the 28th of April. Uh, It is sponsored by Mass Mutual and is going to be hosted at the Westin uh, Atlanta North in in the perimeter. Uh, So it should be a great event. We're going to have some additional entertainment at this event. Uh, it's 530 to 730 on the 28th. So, uh, you know, please come by and see us. Awesome. Uh, the other thing that I just want to put out on the radar, we uh, have just finalized uh, some plans or we're, we're finalized the date for our upcoming uh, AGLCC Business Summit, uh, the rise of the rainbow economy. And that is going to be on June, June 23rd. Uh, at uh, the Four Seasons Hotel. It'll be a uh, pretty much an all-afternoon event, uh, kicking off at 1 o'clock till 5 o'clock, and then we'll be having a a reception in the evening uh, from 6 to 8. You know, so um, we will be having a Fourth Friday uh, event that day uh, it'll all be part of the is that uh, booths and exhibits and things like that too. Uh, or just we're not having speaking? booths and exhibits. We'll, we'll be having uh, some some seminars. Oh, some uh, sessions for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, we'll, we're going to have a, a, a mayor's panel. Uh, we're going to have uh, some uh, representatives from the uh, National Gay Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we're also going to have some information regarding uh, the uh, NFL's. Uh, 2019 uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta and and how you can be involved in, and how you might be able to do business with the NFL. So stay yeah. tuned. We'll, we'll be promoting that uh, pretty soon. Well, I can't believe how fast an hour goes. Uh, we've had some really fun ones here. This one is another great topic. I know that there's some useful information out there given how hot the real estate market is here. So hopefully we'll be helping some people with the people that we have introduced them to today. If you've not done so already, in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the podcast lives. You can subscribe to us. Each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device. You can check it out when it's convenient for you. And we hope you share this information. At least put it out on LinkedIn. Put it out on Facebook. You might just be helping somebody that means something to you by sharing this. So for the folks that do click share, we really appreciate you. And everybody here in the studio that made your way here today, uh, it's a little challenging right now getting around town. It's a little challenging. <laughs> fire here, fire there, so fire everywhere. <laughs> so I really respect you taking the time to sit in with us today very much. And everybody who made us a part of their day listening, thank you. We'll look forward to catching up with you next time. See you then.